Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Bladick with EEOC's Office of Federal Operations, or OFO, and I welcome you to a micro-learning moment from EEOC and the Federal Community's EEO Education Consortium. Today, we continue our series of podcasts on OFO's Reports and Evaluation Division, or RED, the social science research arm for our Federal Sector Programs Division in OFO. In addition to its other functions, RED produces social science-related research of EEO-based topics within the federal sector, which is again our focus for this podcast. With me today is Sawatu, a sociologist and social science research analyst with RED, and joining him is Dr. Romela Janine el Karzazi, also a social science research analyst with RED. Sawatu has a doctorate degree in sociology from Howard University with concentrations in medical sociology and urban sociology and a minor in social psychology. Dr. El Karzazi has a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, a bachelor's in economics, and is a SHRM certified senior human resources professional. As part of his work with RED, Sawatu has conducted some recent research on age discrimination, or workers 40 and over, in the federal sector, while Dr. El Karzazi has focused her research on younger federal workers. With an eye toward the generational differences in the workplace, we are directing our attention today to their respective findings. Welcome to both of you. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. So, Swatu, let's begin with you. What can you tell us about older workers to help us put them in context? What sort of general statistical information did you find with federal workers 40 and over? Okay, yeah, Tim, let me just start by saying that um, what happens is that the EEOC offers protections for employees um, 40 and over. Um, employees 40 and over um, are allowed to um, file for um, age discrimination if they feel that they have been discriminated against um, um, based on their age. And so everyone that I'm talking about, the research that I've done was um, specifically centered around that group 40 and over, um, that age group. So all the data that you hear me present is speaking to that group. Um, also, um, for those who are listening on a recording, we will cover a lot of data. So there'll be a lot of data that you may hear me reading off, but feel free to pause and take notes um, as necessary. But for the most part though, Tim, um, the federal sector enjoyed greater representation um, with workers 40 and over compared to the civilian labor force. Um, we have about 72% uh, of our workforce is uh, people 40 and over compared to 54% in the civilian labor force. But also, um, the pay increases also with age. And we see that between the ages of 40 to 65, we see on average about a $10,000 pay increase as, as, um, as our workforce ages. So we have greater representation compared to CLF, CLF and we also see evidence that um, pay increases um, with age. Okay. So what did your research show with regard to specific EEO-related matters? Yeah, regarding EEO-related matters, um, we can talk about workforce distributions on one hand, and we can talk about complaint data on the other hand. So just starting off with the workforce um, distributions with respect to gender, there's a larger gender gap in the federal sector than what is to be expected in the civilian labor force. And the um, CLF men are represented uh, more than women by about 4%. But in the federal um, government, they're represented by about um, 10% more. 
um, men make up about 57% of the federal workforce and women make up about 43%. Um, regarding race and ethnicity, the federal sector is at least on par with what is to be expected in the civilian labor force. Um, the federal sector actually exceeds the civilian labor force with respect to African-American representation um, at about 19% um, of our workforce being African-Americans compared to 11% in the CLF. Um, regarding um, um, white Americans, they are represented at about 63% in the federal federal sector compared to 68% in the CLF. Um, Hispanic Americans are on par with the CLF at 8%. Um, Asian Americans at 6%. Uh, Native Americans and um, Alaskan Natives at about 2%. Once again, on par with the CLF and Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders at less than 1%, but on par with the CLF um, in regards to pay. There is a, a pay difference that we observed um, between men and women in, in favor of men, with men on average earning about $7,500 more um, than women. And we also see pay gaps um, with regards to race and ethnicity. Um, Asian Americans are the highest earners in the federal sector, averaging at about 99000 a year, um, followed by white Americans at 92000 um, Hispanic Americans at 80,000, African Americans at 78,000, Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders at 73,000, Native Americans and Native Alaskans at 69,000 on average. And both with the gender um, pay gap and the race ethnicity pay gap, this is consistent at least when we control for whether or not people had a college education. Um, um, also, Regarding the complaint data, the federal sector uh, reports higher rates of age-related EEO complaints compared to the private sector, um, with about 31% of all federal sector complaints alleging age, um, compared to 22% in the private sector. And this discrepancy between private and federal has been consistent since about 2013. Um, since about 31% of our complaints have been, have alleged um, age. Um, and finally, um, the leading issue that arose when um, people fought and overfiled their complaints is non-sexual harassment. But that's also the leading basis um, for the government in general. So, yeah. Wow, that's a lot of uh, information, a lot to take in, and it probably could generate a lot of other questions, which we'll maybe have to wait for a little bit later. So, Dr. El Karzazi, let's let's turn to your research for a little uh, comparison. Your study is focused on younger workers in the federal sector. When we speak about this group, who are we really talking about? Can you give us an idea of their characteristics? Well, sure. Um, before I kind of launch into describing younger workers, um, I, I first want to just kind of um, set the table, so to speak, when we talk about younger workers, we're talking about workers who are aged 24 years of age and younger, um, and they don't necessarily have the same protections that older workers have. The um, ADEA um, is essentially geared toward older workers, as Sawatu shared, you know, 40 plus. 
Um, so there's no federal statute geared toward protecting younger workers. Um, and while they're not protected in the same manner as older workers, um, they are more vulnerable than other workers uh, to certain types of discrimination due to their lack of work experience, among other factors. Um, so that's sort of the, the, the first sort of piece of information to, to share with folks. Younger workers um, comprise a very small percentage of the federal workforce. Only approximately 2% of all federal employees are younger workers. Um, the average age of the younger worker is about 22 and a half. Um, however, just over 50% are either 23 or 24 years of age. Um, and only about 4% are ages 18 or 19. Um, women comprise approximately 44% of younger federal workers. And let's see, nearly 17% of younger workers state that they are first generation professionals. Um, and what that means is they're the first group of people in their families to have a professional job where they're, you know, um, not necessarily working with their hands and have what we think of as sort of a desk job. Um, nearly 6% of these workers state that they um, do not have a mentor, which means they do not have anyone at work or at home to help them navigate workplace challenges, which is one of the things that might make them vulnerable is not having someone to kind of ask, you know, does this seem okay or is this something that um, really shouldn't be going on? Um, and then about 80% of younger workers are employed in entry-level jobs, which is really kind of to be expected. You know, you don't, you don't start out age 18, you know, running the, the organization. <laughs> no. Okay, well, thank you. That again, those are uh, interesting. And and uh, as far as EEO related statistics, what do we see with these workers? Well, with um, looking at EEO related issues or statistics directly, um, younger workers in the federal workforce they tend to be overwhelmingly white. Roughly sixty three percent of younger workers are white. Approximately fourteen percent are African American or Black. Nearly 12% are Hispanic or Latinx, and about 5% are Asian. With respect to um, a survey we did of younger workers, our survey results show that nearly 4% of respondents have been counseled and approximately 2% filed formal complaints. However, 30% state that they had at least one issue related to discrimination and or harassment with 60% of them stating that they have experienced multiple issues at their current agency. So there's kind of a lot going on with younger workers. Mm, interesting. So as we're looking at these groups together, and I, I assume that you've, you two have compared notes on your separate research. Can each of you address some of the commonalities you might see in the two groups, Dr. Elkazadi? Well, while the issues impacting the two groups are different, they are both potentially vulnerable workers and are at risk of being pigeonholed. 
While I do think younger workers require additional outreach similar to the need for older workers, my research does not suggest that there is a need for the ADEA to be amended to protect younger workers. Um, younger workers do not need you know, that same sort of protection strictly on the basis of their age. How about you, Sawatu? Yeah, and I'm, I think I agree with Romella. And as I was looking at this literature on older workers, of course, um, a lot of that literature did make reference to what's going on with the literature on younger workers. And so I actually saw at least that, you know, my, my, my opinion on the literature is that um, older workers and younger workers actually face um, similar challenges um, in that they are both being, um, they are both susceptible to discrimination due to stereo, um, age-related stereotypes. Mm. Um, older workers, of course, there are stereotypes out there that um, as one ages, their skill sets become outdated, or um, as one ages, their abilities decrease. Of course, no scientific basis for these types of stereotypes, but unfortunately, um, um, in order for a lot of times, the discrimination stereotypes are not based on, on, on science, and they are enough, though, to um, result in a manager or employer um, discriminating. But, and so, and, and what I see with younger workers, though, is that they seem to be vulnerable as well. Um, things uh, assuming that they have a lack of experience, um, things like um, stereotypes, like um, they can't be taken serious um, because they're young. And also some of the things that um, Romello was just speaking on, um, things like the lack of mentorship and lack of guidance. So it makes them especially susceptible to um, harassment and discrimination and things of that nature, because um, they may not understand their rights or have confidence in their ability to voice um, 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 concern with um, mistreatment. So what I think, though, is that both groups um, are impacted by um, age discrimination and the stereotypes surrounding age, and both groups are potentially susceptible to discrimination. Um, but like Romella said, yeah, maybe um, it doesn't necessarily need intervention um, the way, mm -hmm. you know, the ADA, the way the ADA does, but yeah, but I, okay. I agree with Romella. Okay, so we can see some of these, <clears throat> some of these things that are common ground with the two groups, but how about the unique challenges that each one of these groups, 40 plus and younger workers face? Swada, what do you see for, for older workers as far as unique challenges? Um, yeah, I think some of the things I just spoke on in that, um, Overcoming the stereotypes associated with, with, with older workers and um, eliminating a lot of these misconceptions that skill sets are outdated because of your age, that you are outdated, that your abilities um, are declined with age, you know. So um, that's, that's one of those things that I think that we would have to deal with overcoming these types of stereotypes because a lot of times these stereotypes would lead to discrimination. Um, uh, um, as far as the younger workers, um, I would think that they would need more um, mentorship, guidance, direction, so that they are, to make sure that they are aware of their rights. Um, it's, at least in a research that I looked into on harassment and, and age, um, what we found was that a lot of um, younger workers are vulnerable to harassment, 
because they are not aware of their rights. So they'll be harassed and they're more likely to um, just simply leave a job um, because of harassment. Their lack of work experience and their limited employability due to that lack of work experience will also make them um, susceptible to um, mistreatment and discriminations um, based on their age. So I think that these are the kind of things that um, even if there are no policies in place, just from a practice standpoint, things that um, EEO practitioners should consider when it comes to younger workers. Okay. They have so their own challenges. They have their own challenges, though. I'll say one more thing, Tim, um, that I would, I hadn't seen any data on this, but I would, I will assume, I'll hypothesize that there's a sort of curvilinear relationship there to where your really young workers and your really mature workers are probably both vulnerable to um, discriminations based on stereotypes associated with those age groups. Um, that relationship between age and discrimination is probably not, not linear. Um, so I, 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 would, I would like to see some studies done on, on, um, on, on discrimination um, across, across, across the age groups and to see if um, we find vulnerabilities among really young workers and really older workers. Dr. Elkarzadi, do you want to pick up on, on some of those things that uh, Swatu was talking about for younger workers from your research? Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I, I agree that, um, you know, harassment is the primary issue um, for younger workers. Um, you know, they tend to be perceived still as children by, you know, the older, in quote, workers, meaning those that have been working a few years post-college or, um, you know, 25 plus, um, and they have to sort of navigate this space of, you know, I'm not, um, you know, in high school anymore. And it's something we didn't even really kind of talk about here because we don't really have super young workers um, in the federal workforce, but, you know, workers, younger workers, you know, start at that age 16, you know, and from 16 to, um, you know, 18, they're working maybe fast food environments, that sort of thing, um, and have to deal with harassment, especially young women have to deal with harassment from um, not only from customers, you know, in quick service or in restaurant environment where the customers present challenges, um, but then also have to deal with harassment from their coworkers, from their managers, um, you know, in the private sector, there's been lots of litigation around um, the restaurant environment and younger workers, especially younger women dealing with that. Um, in the federal sector, you know, again, the, the harassment um, is, is sort of like Mike suggested, um, more geared toward um, these sort of older workers because that is what is protected. Um, but there's a, a recognition now within um, the federal space that there are, you know, these first generation workers who don't necessarily have um, the benefit of guidance at home um, and need to understand what are their rights. And so there are agencies, um, you know, through various different initiatives trying to reach out to younger workers and give them um, career advice. Um, you know, which jobs to pick, which ones not to pick, how to chart your course. But in addition to that sort of information about, um, you know, how to make a decision to control your career, it's like these are the things along the way 
that you really should not have to accept as normal. Um, harassment is not normal. Um, you know, kind of educating people about that is, is really important. Um, with respect to the older workers and kind of picking up off of that idea of the relationship not being linear, um, you know, I, I, I agree. I think that um, we can see evidence of that. I think when people are sort of, quote, in their, you know, prime periods of their careers where they're, you know, that, um, you know, maybe associate level up through, you know, young executive, um, no one's really kind of questioning their abilities. And in fact, in the private sector, kind of what's being seen um, is that the actual discrimination isn't happening necessarily at age 40 anymore. It's starting to happen at age 50, um, which is, you know, interesting. Uh, that was something that was seen in one of um, EEOC's cases for seasons 52. Um, but, you know, kind of switching back to the federal sector, um, which is, you know, where we, you know, are talking about in the research that we've done. Um, I, I do think that um, there's a, a sort of a graying of the workforce. Um, there's been this long pending um, uh, a wait for the retirement boom. Um, and so there's a need to think about how do we bring the younger workers along and develop them and retain them and make them feel engaged? Because one of the things that younger workers, you know, really kind of care about is, you know, do we have uh, a commitment from leadership to have diversity, to allow people to, you know, bring them full selves to work and, and really fully engage and be who they are? Um, so those things are very important to younger workers. Very interesting. I appreciate the, the the insights there. And we sort of touched on, both of you sort of touched on this in your comments already in terms of recommendations, but uh, specifically maybe uh, maybe some things that you haven't mentioned. What, what are some of the things that uh, federal agencies can do uh, to help these groups or to, or to, to at least in, with regard to EO matters, um, to make it a, a, a better workplace for them? Dr. Alcarzaza, you want to continue on that thread? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is outreach. Um, you know, because the uh, EEOC survey results um, that we did for younger workers revealed that younger workers tend to feel um, they have experienced that discrimination and harassment, again, on multiple fronts. Um, agencies need to train their younger workers about their rights about how to report the discrimination, the harassment, or any unlawful employment practices. Um, the second thing is I think the um, agencies need to improve their efforts to recruit. Um, with most younger workers either being age 23 or 24, um, you know, which roughly corresponds to one or two years of post-college work experience, um, there should be efforts to maybe engage younger workers who have just completed high school. Um, we know that, um, you know, certain age groups now are, are younger uh, kids who are graduating from high school aren't necessarily looking to go to college for a litany of reasons, affordability being one. Um, and so that's a viable you know, pool of of potential workers that we could engage at a younger age, help them develop and, um, you know, just kind of 
get them into the federal service and, and help them see a future in the federal government. Um, and we can do that by identifying, you know, certain occupations for which college credits are not required, um, establishing formal apprenticeship programs, and leveraging existing internship programs. Um, along those lines, I think there should be more efforts to recruit younger women into the federal workforce. Um, there should be more effort made to recruit younger workers with targeted disabilities. Um, and while engineering is very well represented among younger workers, um, other STEM occupations are less so. Um, so agencies should do more to attract younger workers um, into STEM occupations, because we know that STEM is something that is going to uh, be more and more important, not just in the federal sector, but, you know, in industry in general. Okay, thank you. So, so Watu, what do you, how about your recommendations based on your research for um, older workers, 40 and over? Yeah, I think a lot of the things that Romella touched on are uh, relevant to 40 and over workers as well. Um, um, in addition, though, the the systems of justice, uh, at least based on the the literature that we've reviewed, you know, the systems of, of justice are, are important um, to, um, they can even promote um, um, age discrimination um, if they are inconsistent or unfair. They can discourage um, age discrimination reporting if the um, employees perceive them as being inconsistent or unfair. So it's very important that that impression management aspect where you are able to um, de design your systems of justice in a way that they inspire confidence in the workforce, um, because that, that confidence in the workforce will discourage a, a would-be discriminator um, knowing that the systems of justice um, work and they are fair and that they are efficient. Um, um, if a person is um, being mistreated, it's going to encourage them to come forward and speak out if the systems of justice are considered to be fair and, and um, um, reliable, consistent, and, and, and efficient. Um, but then we saw some other things when we, we analyzed some federal employee viewpoint survey data also, and we found relationships between um, age discrimination complaints and things like job satisfaction, um, confidence in agency leadership, um, perceptions of inclusion, like Romello was saying, this whole idea of inclusion is very important. Um, um, and even when we analyzed some Form 462 data, we saw uh, that um, adhering to EEOCs, because EEOC, OFO has Management Directive 715, where it spells out what a model EEO program should look like. Um, and these things are not without consequence, because when we analyze this data, we do find that there are relationships between agencies that adhere closer to those guidelines and, and discrimination complaints in general. And for example, one of the guidelines is that the EEO director reports um, directly to the agency head. Um, once again, it's a, it's a sort of um, demonstration of commitment to EEO um, at that agency. And we find that um, there was a decrease in um, age discrimination complaints by 24% among agencies that adhered to that, that guideline compared to agencies that didn't. So, um, and even though this is for federal sector, but even the private sector may benefit from looking into things like Management Directive 715 um, and, and some of these model EEO guidelines that um, the Office of Federal Operations have put together for the, um, for the federal sector. Yeah. 
Thank you, Suatu, and th thanks to both of you for sharing your time and some really interesting information today. Thanks again, and thank you to everyone for joining us for this micro-learning moment. If you'd like to know more about the Federal Sector EEO Education Consortium, send an email expressing interest to edcon at eeoc.gov. We look forward to you joining us for more in our Microlearning Moment podcast series on Research by Red over the next several months. Good day, everyone.